Transition it to the point podcast. Everybody's doing well on this Tuesday. You're here for uh, podcast number two of the day, where just recently I had to go into a deep dive of, of Tom Brady, obviously one of the greatest professional athletes of all time, retiring after 22 great seasons in the National Football League. So that's up on the podcast feed right now if you want to listen to that one. But tonight we were at, we had a Yadis last week because we just scheduling uh, was a mess up for, uh, for, for both of us. And um, well, we're going to get the sneaky Pete uh, episodes three and four tonight, but it's been a minute. So Shay, uh, how are things been? And you survived the latest uh, snowstorm. Yeah, just, just barely. I uh, got hit pretty hard, but no, uh, last week was a little bit of a F around with, uh, of course I was, I was home and had some stuff going on. Uh, inner inner circle but uh, you know you had uh, the embellishment call at uh, the lady in Costco and I, I think the listeners deserve a, a, a real reason on why we couldn't make the pod last week because uh, you know it, it, it's quite a story to be honest yeah and it involves so, COVID which is your favorite subject I, I know you love it yeah so yeah um so everybody listening last week it's about two o'clock and my father and I and we're both very patient men. I'm going to add that at the beginning. We go into Costco, get a bunch of things for the store, and we're, we're getting out there, make great time, despite it being like a zoo in there. And we're on our way out, going to go see the people who that, you know, scribble on your paper, even though I think it's pointless because they don't even look, but that's another story for another day. Um, and we're, we're walking, we're passing where, where you can buy like the hot dogs and whatnot. If you've been to the Costco in Moncton and the line just stops and we're like, Dude, what, this is Costco. Like you don't stop lines here. But this woman had gone, like you said, soccer player, full Diego Maradona. And she's on the floor screaming, having a panic attack. And we me and my father can't really see her, but she's off in the distance screaming about, who knows what? And she's yeah, having a panic attack. Somebody said, oh, she's having a heart attack. So we're just like, oh, Jesus. So about 15 minutes has passed. We're like, okay. She's, we figure out she's okay, but she's having a panic attack. She, she says she needs medical treatment. So I'm just sitting there fuming. And we're like, well, can we just walk past her? Like they got her off. She's still in the middle of the floor. And we're like, can we just move past? We'll get one of the People scribble, get the hell out of there. No. Well, because she's in the floor, people would have to go each way, and that would be a COVID violation. Now, for everybody's reference, we're in Costco. Costco is basically where COVID began because there are so many people in there. You can go to a gym last week, but you go to Costco. So we are there for over two hours waiting to get out. There is a lineup of 300 plus people waiting to get out of this place. It was a full on Mack truck of an event. This guy, this you know grizzled vet, his name had to have been Rick or Hank or Tom. He had a mustache and it was yellow. And he was just, what is he doing? Get off the floor. And this woman, she's really sick. She's really sick. Just look sick to me. And it's just this ongoing spat between this man who 
could quite frankly give a shit about COVID or the well-being of this woman and this woman who is probably a Karen at heart. So we entered at 2.10. We left. We got outside of Costco shortly after 4.30. That was my day. Uh, yeah, I, I received a panic call. Anyone who was, you know, they may be looking forward to the podcast last week, please try get in touch with this woman uh, and, you know, please you know, give the complaints to her. Um, yeah, no, no, in all seriousness, uh, just some rescheduling stuff, but I, I, that story just cracks me up every time. I, I, I could just see you and your father getting more and more boiled, uh, just standing in line with Rick from Red Deer, <laughs> the, guy, yeah. uh, the guy with the stash. Um, but no, yeah, just another way COVID has kind of, you know, brought your life down a, 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 another dash. It's, just keeps giving you jabs in, in every which way, which. Yeah, hilarious. literally and figuratively, the old jab. But, uh, but <laughs> we, we survived it. We're back this week. And thank God, because that was a that was a painful experience. But um, yes, we're back tonight. We're, we're talking about episodes three and four of Sneaky Pete. And for people that uh, don't remember, we'll give you a little bit of a uh, kind of a wraparound here. Uh, the story's about our main character, Pete, a.k.a. Marius. If you hear us call him Pete throughout the show, that's, you know, that's that's what they call him. But his name is Marius, but it, Pete goes well, too. He had Marius had a cellmate named Pete. And he uh, he didn't like him at first, but he heard his story. And he said, you know, maybe I could use this my advantage. Marius owed this, this rich tycoon $100,000. And he used that alias to eventually sneak off, get to Bridgeport, meet up with Pete's family. And now he's living with this fake family, trying to learn the business while also robbed from them so that he can... <laughs> get his brother to escape from Vince, who is played by Brian Cranston. So it's an interesting story. The first couple of episodes, we see him, they work through a case. He's worried he's going to be spotted. But what we did see in the first episode, Che, is that he is a very much a con man. He, mm -hmm. he went into a bar. This guy was talking about a great hockey player and a quote. It was a Wayne Gretzky quote. And we see that he gets a visit from one of Pete's old friends. And this, this guy is a cop, but he has a beef to pick with Marius because he really took away one of his, one of his eyes. Cause it, it's never been the same since he got the, the fake gunpowder in the eye uh, multiple years before. Yes. Officer Winslow uh, is, is, we'll say a guy he's under Vince. He's kind of like Vince's Lieutenant within the, within the, within the force, we'll say. Uh, and like you said, yeah, uh, Pete didn't have a real gun, but he shot a fake gun, which still does quite a bit of damage. As we can see, this guy's eye, it's not lost, but it's got some deform, uh, deformed to it. The skin's kind of effed around it. So he's got a bone to pick with Marius and he goes in here and he's looking for him and he gets the information. This, this guy that we talked about with the Wayne Gretzky, you know, loves Montreal. He, you know, he goes, yeah, that guy, like I sent my police report in there quite a while ago. No one's followed up. But this guy's like, well, here, well, I'm here to find him. And he shows him a picture and he says, you know, yeah, where, where did, where was he going? Where did you show him to go? And he says, oh, he was going to Bridgeport, 
Connecticut. And, you know, I got, what the hell, who the hell goes to Bridgeport, Connecticut? And uh, so someone who's trying to lay low. So that's that's our guy. We know the premise of this this episode is really Winslow trying to find uh, Marius in Bridgeport. And, you know, throughout the episode, basically driving around Bridgeport uh, area, you know, kind of checking in with people, dust people, police, trying to find where he's at, because clearly Vince wants to know where he is. Yeah, and it's kind of this, you don't really know if he's doing it for Vince or if he's doing it for revenge, because obviously Vince mm. needs his money, but I don't think, like you said, uh, the officer really cares that much. I think he wants to get some retribution himself for, like you mm. said, his eye looking uh, looking like uh, old uh, Two-Face in the, in the, in the dark night. Um, but we also get introduced to another character. And this guy, this is an interesting cat. Um, his name's James Bagwell, and he's a parole officer. And we don't really know him at first in this scene, but he just shows up at this apartment, and we have a, a tattooed a tattooed man uh, having sex with a woman, and he basically says, uh, "You know, you're not coming to your parole meetings." And he goes, "No, like I was, I was, you know, I was busy and I'm doing this." And Bagwell has a thing: you're either an eagle which means you soar and you get out of jail and you do good things or you're a shit bird. And Spike was the basically definition of a shit bird. Yeah. Yeah. And just to give some context about this guy, he, uh, he played his own motivational speaking in his car before he got to this location. Uh, kind of like a, a Dwayne the Rock Johnson type where, you know, easily motivated looking to make but his thing with parole he's, he's he really is trying to rehabilitate the guys he gets not just so that they slide by but that they're a better version of themselves and you know, that's kind of his whole motto throughout uh throughout this so yeah he, he basically taps this guy gives him to the cops he gets back to his car juggy and who's the next face uh on his list it would be marius and um we see that he he calls Marius soon after and he tells him you know meet me at my office or basically you're getting locked up like you haven't shown up to any of your meetings like you got it either hey you're an eagle or a shit bird so get your ass here and Marius kind of has to scramble because he you know he he thinks he can get to that parole meeting but he's also got a busy day ahead of him yeah, we see, you know, he's going into work, like we mentioned in, in the last episode about Sneaky Pete. He's really trying to get the into the family ropes, but he's also trying to get the grooves of the family because we know that he needs to get the combination to the safe, get the money, basically, give it to Vince so that basically Vince will release his brother. Um, so that's what he's got going on right now. So just another kind of wrench with this parole meeting that he's got to go to that uh, kind of inter interferes with that. Yeah, so... We, when he gets to work, we learn that you know, their family is in kind of a, a, a war of sorts or a battle with another bail bond business, AMB, which is basically a big conglomerate that has scooped up all the small, you know, small uh, family owned businesses in the area. They used to be on good terms with, uh, with the family, but uh, you know, they've taken out businesses. They're not exactly good people. And, you know, the family's losing money. They're really starting to, to, to worry. And grandma's kind of hiding this in a sense from the rest of the family. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of times in this episode and the next we see that she's almost making these phone calls, these mysterious phone calls to people. And we, we don't really know a whole lot about what's, uh, what, what it's about, but we can almost assume that it has something to do with this kind of inner war between bail bonds um, and these, these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think solely after this, you know, they, you know, finally they get a ticket and it's going to be Audrey and Marius this time or Pete instead of Julia and Marius. And this is kind of a, a neat interaction that they get to hold, you know, even on the way there, Marius says, oh, I, this should be fine. I just have to make my meeting with my last employer for 2 yeah. p.m., which we, we know is the, was we know is Mr. Success, as he's called. And, uh, you know, Audrey says, oh, that's fine. I know these people will have this wrapped up in a matter of no time and you'll, you'll be on your way. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So he's kind of there, but it's going, uh, it's going longer than he thought because mm-hmm. they want to get their son out of jail, but this family's clearly has no money because, you know, she can't make the minimum deposit and she's looking around. She goes, well, I'll put the house on it. She goes, well, you already got a second mortgage. The bank owns the house. So that doesn't work. And I haven't figured this out if it, if it was real or not. I think it's a con, but Marius goes, uh, you know, is, is that a, is that a Vera Wayne clock? Yeah, I don't know. He goes, well, the real ones are when you have the little insignia on the bottom and he lifts it up and he goes, oh, and he goes, wow. He goes, you know, that's, that's at least, that's close to a $20,000 clock. And they're like, well, that'd be the down payment. We'll just put it in the, in the safe. And if everything goes well, we get our pay, we'll give it back to you after. And to me, Shay, it was a way for him to get out of there because he knew he had to get to his parole meeting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And this is kind of a greasy move because he's really conning the business out of 20 grand because there's no way that's a, that's no. a real clock or worth no. that much. But, uh, but he does a great job of lying, making it look real and, you know, basically getting himself out so that he can make this meeting. So basically, you know, they're, they're driving back. They say, oh, this is great. You know, we'll put this in here and, you know, we'll just go, we'll, we'll, you know what, why don't we stop for dinner? You know, you, screw your, screw your uh, employer. You, you don't need them anymore. You don't need this last check. And now Marius has basically got to find a way to lie to Audrey uh, in order to, you know, get into the city. Right. So he's like, I, I got to get there. Like it's today's only, it's, it's today only. And she goes, well, let, let's just call them up. Like they'll understand. And he goes, no, I don't think we should do that. But she goes, no, I'll do it. And he, he's going to call and he calls Katie, his ex-girlfriend who, who he cheated on, but they still are on good terms. And she goes, no, just put it on speaker. And basically Audrey, AKA grandma is just like, oh, hey, yeah, this is a uh, Pete's, um, <laughs> this is Pete's grandmother. Yeah. Like I, I really want to go to lunch with him. He's kind of busy today working. Could you just send me his check? And, you know, Katie's just on the other end, basically forced to sit there and be like, uh, I guess, I mean, it's not great protocol, but she kind of has to bumble her way into things. Yeah. Yeah. We see, this is not the first time in this next couple episodes that Katie really bails, uh, Pete out in a big way at the end of this one. Um, but yeah, sure enough, now he has no excuse. So he ha- basically has to go to dinner with his grandmother, yeah. uh, I think quotation marks. And, you know, he's got to find a way to basically postpone his meeting with Mr. Success. Um, so he gets there. But the, the entire time they're driving along, Juggy, 
they're being followed by a silver car and you know in the back of our mind we're thinking well this is officer winslow the guy we'll yeah. call him the one-eyed bandit you know he's following them around he is trying to get pete um but when they're at the when they're at the diner we soon find out that uh it's it's someone we totally don't expect yeah this one came off came out of left field for me because it's the the grandfather he's in the back seat with, with the driver in front he's just kind of tailing um clearly and we we did see this at breakfast in a scene earlier in the episode the two Audrey doesn't tell him very much because he doesn't go into work. He's had a heart attack. It's always talked about he can't work. And I think he's a little worried about the business, which rightly so for good reason, but she doesn't tell him anything and he, he doesn't get anything from her. He also saw that she had made calls to the, uh, the man that tailed Marius in the first episode, uh, which, you know, raised an eyebrow for him. So he is, he doesn't fully trust his wife. No, no. And, you know, there's some shady stuff going on behind closed doors that, no, I don't even think we were fully know quite yet. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's interesting. It kind of, you know, it, it leaves a little to be uh, excited for in the fact that we, we don't know the full story just yet right. between what's going on with the business and also with the, with the, this old, you know, grouchy married couple. Um, right. But sure enough, Mar Mar Marius hits the bathroom and he calls the parole board or the parole office and he gets this woman. He says, Oh, like he, he pretends he has a kid in the bathroom, which is so, so low. And he's like, Oh, honey, you know, honey, just hold on. I have to talk to this lady. And he fakes, he basically, basically he pushes his parole meeting back by faking that they have a, a hit dog. Was it a hit cat or a hit dog? Yeah, a dog remember. got hit by a car. Yeah, a dog got hit by, oh, we're here with the vet. You know, I, you know. I, 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 can we just push it back? And of course, gaining this lady's sympathy, she says, yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, we'll say 4.30 and Mr. Success has room at 4.30 today. Uh, but this is overheard by another gentleman, which we find out later on works for one uh, Vince. So he's yeah, got men everywhere, we find yeah, out. Yeah, he's got eyes and ears everywhere. He's just kind of sitting by her desk and he kind of says, was that, a, was that Marius? And she goes, yeah, he's going to be here at 4.30. So uh, he's he's aware. He knows where he's going to be. So that's a, a big tell for him. But there's also this scene where grandma is suspicious. She's a very suspicious person. And she's asking, like, how would you know to come back? Or why did you come back? And again, he's a great liar. He goes, oh, to be honest, grandma, I saw Julia's Facebook posts and I saw grandpa had a stroke and I, I just missed you guys. And I, I missed a lot of my growing up. I wasn't around and I, I just wanted to come back and help the family any way I could. Cause like you said, that's what you do for family. And she even gets a big smile. She starts to tear up and he, he fakes tears and goes back to the bathroom. But again, it's a good con because she's bought in hook, line and sinker. Yeah, she throughout the whole episode, and especially with you know a lot going on with this fake employer that he's got, she's very suspicious because she she just comes out and says that she says you know with the business going down, your grandfather having stroke, I can't help but think that you're in it, you know you're in it for the cash, you're in it here to get the money and leave us as soon as you do, and you know he's got to fake that in the moment because that's actually what he's trying to do, <laughs> but he's uh, he does a great job of kind of leading her astray and. Uh, you know, 
keep keeping it to the point that oh, I'm, I'm about family. You know, I'm a, I'm a Don, I'm a Don Toretto kind of guy. It's all family for me. Oh, that was a tough reference. Um, <laughs> I hate that person. Uh, but um, we'll save that for the fast 24 recap. Uh, but um, so they get back. Uh, Julia's there. She's kind of like, oh, how'd it go? She goes, oh, it was good. You know, pizza. Yeah, it went well. It's going well. It's good. And uh, she goes, can you come with me for a walk? I got to get groceries. And he goes with her. She's like, yeah, they're talking. She goes, yeah, you were really a, a jerk to me uh, back in the day. Like, you you weren't a great person. He goes, oh, yeah, I was, I was an idiot back then. So she says, I got to go in for SIGs. And he's kind of like, okay, whatever. He's on the street. And before he knows it, he's tossed, he's bagged, and thrown in the back of a trunk. And all you can think at this point is, the one I abandoned has got him. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was him or maybe even the uh, grandfather and the goon that the grandfather right, has. Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. they grabbed him just because, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, you're thinking that's it. Like, the, they got him now. And I'm trying to think what happens. Uh, i to read. Oh, uh, you need to call. Oh, Car uh, Carly, this is an interesting scene. Carly, we find out she's she's been a pickpocket. She's the younger sister of Taylor and Julia. Yeah. And, you know, what What does she do? She gets home. No, no one's home. I'll go look in Pete's room. So she takes, a, she takes a little walk in there. And what does she find? She finds an extra cash. And she takes. She probably takes about $300 and doesn't yeah. think anything of it. Puts it back. And, you know, that that's kind of the, the, the scene. But we'll kind of get back into that later. Because I think that's important for their relationship between Carly and Marius. Right. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's very much like him, even though they're not related, yeah. which, which is yeah, fun. Exactly. Um, so he's in the trunk. He's thinking, okay, I'm dead. Like I, I'm done. Like I, I, my, I, the jig is up um, for reference. He has his ID with him because he didn't want to keep it in the room. And he also has to go to the parole meeting. So that's come about. So he's yell has the trunks being open. He's yelling Vince. He's yelling Vince. Don't Vince. Don't. And the bag comes over its head and it's Taylor, his cousin, the police officer has thrown him into a trunk and he's freaking out, screaming at him, basically trying to hit him. And he goes, it's a joke. It's a joke. Julia put me up to it. Like she, and basically he's like, who the hell is Vince? Like you were screaming Vince the whole time and quick on his feet. He goes, it's, uh, it's my girlfriend's husband. <laughs> which really aligns with what audrey knows about you know you know she had someone tailed and, and yeah. that's what he was told yeah. as well you know, like, oh yeah he was sleeping with a married woman mm -hmm. so he's yeah i'm married i know and he's like oh, i gotta get to this you know i gotta get to the city you know yeah. soon and you know you gotta drive me back sure enough taylor does and you know it's it's actually looking like you know marius might actually make make this meeting besides all defining all odds. Um, I think it's important to note I, that Eddie, uh, this entire episode really has been being captive by Richard, which is basically Vince's right-hand man. Yeah. If we remember Eddie in, in the last couple episodes, he tried to escape um, and his nose. You know, basically torn apart by, you know, Hush Puppy, the, the lovely dog of Richard. Yeah. And, you know, 
it's, it's at this point that Richard, he's like, I got to take Kosh Puppy out for a leak. And he ties Eddie up in basically like, I, I don't know, like ties his hands behind his, his, uh, his back and his feet together. And so you're not, you're not going anywhere else again. Um, Eddie does get away and, you know, he does, he's able to get to the rooftop where he makes a phone to his brother. Yeah. So he takes uh, Richard's phone and he calls and, but what's interesting is he goes like Marius, like they were like, they don't know where you are, but like, they're, they're looking for you like crazy, but I need to get out of here. And he goes, no, 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 you, you can't, you can't. And he goes, well, why? Because I'm so close on the money. Like we'll be free. Like you stay, I'll come free you. There's no more debt. Like our worries are over. Like, and it does make sense uh, because mm. Eddie escaping is a short-term gain, but it's a long-term problem because then both guys are on the run and you're on the run for, for the rest of your life with this guy, Vince, who's very rich and he has many different uh, avenues for, to, to catch uh, Marius and Eddie. So it's a terrible position for Eddie because he has to stay with this huge, scary Richard and Vince, who's unpredictable, but Marius, Marius's logic, despite him having the money or even being that close to getting the money in the moment makes long-term sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, unfortunately this, you know, the first time Eddie really gets a free chance, but uh, they play it safe and uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch back at this later at the end of the, the second episode named the, uh, the fury, but you know, Eddie, Eddie basically brushes it off. He goes back and pretends he was using the bathroom. Richard yeah. walks in. He's like, what the hell? He's like, I got, well, I didn't want to shit on your sofa, which yeah. probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's at this point that Officer Winslow uh, is, he's in the police station. And who's he meet at the very front desk? But Taylor, who's just getting back from dropping Marius off. And you know, this whole time he's been walking around flashing Marius's basically face around saying, have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy? I'm looking for him. And right before he does, um, what what do we find out? Vince calls him and basically says, "You got to get back here. Uh, Marius is going to be here at 4:30 at the parole office, and uh, you got a chance to get him." So, almost gives his idea, his real idea away to uh, you know the close family member, family member, but uh, manages to squeak away. Right. So, Marius gets to the city. He's walking around the corner, but right in front of the parole right in front of the, the uh, government office is of course one eyed bandit and our new friend and they spot Marius. So he just starts running and he, he runs for a while. They're looking for him, but to his credit, he goes down this little staircase. It's like uh, you open a gate and it's like these downward stairs into an apartment or into an abandoned alley. They're looking for him talking and he's on the phone <laughs> with the wherewithal on the phone. He's calling Mr. Success, a.k.a. James Bagwell, to say, uh, yeah, like, I'm sick. Like, I don't want to get anybody sick. I'm really not feeling well. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Success is not buying it. Yeah, he, he basically says, oh, you take your time and call me back tomorrow, Mr. Uh, Jokovic, or yeah, yeah. I can't pronounce his last name. He's like, oh, I'll, you know, we'll be in touch. Mm-hmm. But little do we know, he, he's got other plans. He's going to basically address on file, and he's, he's basically going to catch him in the act. Um, and it, this is gross, but Mar- Marius basically says, you know, his address is Katie's house mm-hmm. and, you know, he's thinking, oh, this, this is, this is not going to work. 
So next thing you know, Mr. Success rings a door open. You know, there's there's a lovely family. And, you know, he's like, is, is Marius here? Who? He's like, oh, yeah, him. And sure enough, Marius managed to get his ass all the way to to this uh, white plains I think they're in. And, yeah. you know, he's basically faking being asleep. And it works. And, you know, kind of kind of buys him some time with uh, this new uh, this new character that's kind of all over him, really, when you think about it. Yeah, he's more all over him than uh, Vince's men. Like he has a better yeah. hold on Marius because he knows where he should be. And yeah, exactly. um, they don't have, they're not privy to that information. So, and we see in the episode that the one-eyed bandit tried to get information from Mr. Bagwell. He tried to say, like, mm-hmm. where does he live? Like, you, you just tell me I'm a cop, like I'm doing it for a case. And he goes, no, no, no. Doesn't, doesn't work that way. Like, yeah, you, you get a warrant or basically piss off Bagwell. Like you said, he wants his, his, the, his people coming out of jail, these inmates to, to soar, to be positive stories, to, to be, to get jobs, to be successes. And he could clearly tell that the one eyed bandit was not a good cop. He had bad intentions and credit to him. He, he, you know, he thinks that Marius is a shitbird, but he still didn't give up his spot. Yeah, no, exactly. No, it's, uh, you know, Marius basically gets off scot-free. Uh, I shouldn't say scot-free, but for the, you know, for this episode, of the, the premise of it was making this meeting and, you know, he wasn't able to make it, but at the same sense, he was able to, uh, you know, basically avoid getting in trouble with this, with this uh, parole officer. Uh, the meeting, or the episode really ends with Marius getting back to the, uh, the bond shop, meeting Julia outside, basically confronting her, basically saying, you, know, you set Taylor up to, to, to pick me up in the middle of the street what the hell was that you know f- find out that the real pete pete murphy was not really a great i would say younger person you know no. locked locked julia away in the safe um and you know basically left her there for a couple hours and mary's goes well you know who gave, who got you out of there you know someone had to you know unlock it for you and we find out the grandfather also along with audrey knows the combination to the safe Right. So this is a good moment for Pete because he goes, okay, there's more than one person. I don't have to try to fool grandma because she is really clever and she's not going to fall that easy. Grand grandpa's more trusting. He's more of a idiot, if you'd say. Uh, so we do see um, at the end of the episode, it's kind of this uh, funny scene where he gets Carly to come to his room and he's talking to her and he goes, I know we had a bad start. I really wanted to connect, but you know, I want you to be taken care of. And he hands her a couple hundred bucks in cash. And he goes, uh, you know, she goes, Oh, thanks so much. Like that's, that's great. And she gets back to her room and she's so pumped thinking like, okay, I made 500 bucks today, but we see this little, she opens up her pouch and the money that she took originally is gone. And he pickpocketed her. He knew that she, that she took the money and he was basically teaching her a lesson. Like, don't do that shit to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It kind of comes in full circle and, you know, it's cool to see that, see that scene first. And then you go back and see how Marius does it. Cause you know, he's got a, you know, he's got this sleight of hand where he just kind of picks things off people without, you know, with, with pretty much ease. Um, but yeah, no, like, like you said, uh, like, well, inside the relationship, clearly 
know now Pete doesn't really trust Carly all that much. And, you know, how could you? She yeah. stole from him. Stole from him, yeah. Yeah, so, and so that scene goes down. He kind of hides his money again. And we see, uh, we see the back of Taylor's car and Marius's ID is back there. And it's right in the open. So it's kind of this scene where he doesn't know it's there right away. And he, he it's, it's right there. If, if, uh, if Taylor goes in the car, it's going to be trouble for Marius. Yeah. Sets up the, uh, the second part of our, you know, podcast really well, um, labeled the fury and, you know, the premises of this one, kind of like the last one, the theme of it would be, you know, his real IDs in the back of his cousin's car. If it gets caught, he's basically his ID's blown and he's got no way of getting this cash. And more importantly, they'll probably front him for being you know, a, a con man and yeah. whatever else. So, this episode's interesting start. Uh, t- this girl, this woman, this good-looking woman, gets pulled over. And uh, sure enough, it's Taylor. And next thing you know, they're they're making you know, sweet love in the back, <laughs> all normal young people do. And uh, interesting here, they say, oh, you know, he he mentions you know being able to you know move it to the bedroom, but you know you quickly get the the gist that this this woman may be with somebody else. Yeah, it's kind of revealed that she's uh, she's married and that they've done this dirty deed a time or two in the car and this oh, yeah. kind of just sting. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, Taylor, no wonder he wasn't really judging Marius for sleeping with a married woman because yeah. he's doing the same thing himself. Uh, so, yeah, Taylor is not exactly a, the perfect human being by any by any means. No, but this no. woman this woman's there she leaves her phone in the car so that, that that's a he's kind of like shit when he sees when she's gone but he goes and he starts uh starts cleaning he's vacuuming cleaning the car and he's in the trunk and luckily there's a tire back there because Marius's id is sitting there and he's vacuuming he's getting very close but before he can lift the tire and look and see Marius gives him a call and says, Hey, like, I feel bad about what I said when you threw me in the trunk. Can I, can I bring you out for a beer? Yeah. Yeah. Really say by the bell again. And, you know, sure enough, they meet out in the, he's thinking, I got, I got to get in the back of his trunk somehow. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of that you're basically typical hometown bar. You got some shipbirds, quoting Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bagwell outside smoking pot and, you know, you know, Taylor kind of gives them the okay and goes inside and yeah they they basically says sorry he explains the situation with uh, the married woman a, f- a funny thing that uh, Taylor says is basically like, oh it's hard to get into the mind of somebody and yeah, Marius just kind of gives him this look like yeah uh, yeah I know <laughs> one one thing Taylor also says that uh, that you know goes perfectly with the scene that shortly happens after. Is he goes, he can't control, he can't control, or he has an impulsive control, which basically means he, he acts without thinking, which yeah. has a big, big theme coming up uh, in, the, in the next scene. Very much so. Uh, you see this a lot in, you know, people that have uh, schizophrenia or, you know, uh, you think of Ben Davis in Ozark. Uh, that's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you've watched season three, right? Oh, I'm caught up. Season four out now. Oh, really? This this weekend. Uh, that's my. No, no, it's already out. 
I know, but that's my class project this weekend. Oh, oh, no yeah, sports, yeah, yeah. No you, sports. I, you're not gonna. Oh, you're not gonna watch the Pro Bowl. Um, <laughs> Anyways, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So he, yeah, he's just he's he's like an alpha. He's all like an alpha male too. So you get a guy in a bar, mm. a couple of drinks. They like to. He's you know big man on campus. Throw a left, but so they're going out. Taylor's gonna drive, which is beyond puzzling. The guy's clearly buckled. He's a cop. And he goes, no, I'm good to drive. But Marius is like, I got to get in that trunk. How am I going to get there? So he, he's got a knife in his pocket, puts a big hole through the tire, pulls a knife out. He goes, Taylor, you got a flat? And he goes, well, it must have been a nail or something in the drive over. Taylor, to his credit, not an idiot. He goes, no, that's not, a, that's too big a hole for, a, for a, a, a nail. That's a knife. And like you said, there's these three, kind of stoners uh, hanging out by the car, shooting the breeze. And Taylor basically accuses them of uh, giving, putting a, putting a, a knife in the tire, giving them a flat. Yeah. They, so they get into a little confrontation and, and one thing leads to another. And, uh, you know, back to impulsive control, Taylor is on top of this guy. He's wailing away at him. Mm. He tries to stop. He gets hit himself. And, you know, it takes a, a guy, a bigger guy to come out and kind of pull Taylor off. And, I mean, this this kid, we'll say, can't be more than 20, right, Joey? Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, if, yeah, I'd be surprised. In the state, he's for sure a minor. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, here's a, a drunk cop, like you said, beating the hell out of this kid who, you know, Marius has got to feel somewhat bad because he probably didn't intend for that to happen, but it is his fault by yeah. <laughs> having, uh, flashing the tire. And, uh, yeah, I mean, here's another situation on his hands. Yeah, so he's like, you see that the there's this cop that's kind of on Taylor's side. He's kind of the head on show, and he goes, yeah, no, you can't drive that car home. Nobody's touching that car. Like, they're bringing that one into impound. Just have a story ready. Say the guy attacked you first. Pete's got a bruise, so you can use that to your advantage. But have your story ready, and both of you have the same one. And Pete's like, well, can I get – there's something in the car that I need. Could I, I could drive it. Like, it's no big deal. And he goes, no, no, nobody's touching the car. And we see it's taken into custody. And, you know, Pete's basically just told to go to the station so that, you know, that no suspicion is arise from this. Yeah, so he's looking out the window. He's looking at the car like, uh, how, like how the hell, hell am I going to get this now? It's you know, it's an impound. If anyone doesn't know, it's surrounded by, um, surrounded by barbed wire fence, and on top of that, it's probably guarded. So his job just became thirty times more than what it had to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's not, not much he can do. He says Taylor says, "Okay, well, what, what's our story going to be? You know, okay, we got drunk. You know, next thing you know, we were wrestling. We got we beat up each other." goes okay so there's not a ton he can do so all he really can do at this point is basically go go home get his stuff and go to work which he's supposed to be doing right so for him go to work is he thinks there's money in the safe so he goes well grandma's not going to be in the office grandpa's going to so he gets katie again katie's just like his personal slave to Mm. set up a con he basically tells her to go in set up a bond for Colin James III, who is, is at the top arrest warrant for the day before. So he, he was just arrested. He's top of the list. It'll make sense. It's a good story. And he gave her a necklace for collateral so that he has to open the safe and so that he 
you have to see them put it in there. That's the rule of the family. While this is happening, Katie is going to fake having like an aneurysm and then Marius will swoop in, steal the money from the safe and Bob's your uncle and they, they'll be out before grandpa knows what hit them. Yeah, great plan. Uh, <laughs> um, so sure enough, they're in there and, you know, everything's checks out, but I know, our good, good old, good old Grampy's trying to go. Mind you, this man had a stroke not long ago, so he's, you know, his hands don't work as good as they used to. Yeah. And he can't open the safe. And, you know, basically the whole purpose of this couldn't happen. So she, she's got to basically pretend like, oh, I, well, I'm not going to go here. I can't, can't even pay for my, my bond. And, you know, Marius follows out. Marius, mind you, also promised her 10K, no matter what, yeah. even if it wasn't this safe, said, you know, I'll, I'll give you 10K no matter, how, no matter how it happens. And, you know, he's basically back to square zero. He walks in. He's pretty pissed. My grandfather's pretty pissed because he's like, I know I didn't get, get it wrong. You know, there must be something wrong with the safe. And he goes, you know how to crack one? And Marius's eyes light up like I'm basically a kid on 4th of July because you realize you can get into the safe now and you just need somebody to do it. Right. So, yeah, he, he's like, yeah, I think I do know. So I actually, I know a good company, Grandpa. I used it in the insurance business. And he goes, okay, cool. So he calls up his his friend Hector and he goes like, you owe me one, like get, get over here. You know, the, you need to get over here and open this up for me. And he goes, okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Like I'll, I'll come over. Yeah. Whatever. So Marius is there safe crackers. I've already open it and grandpa's sitting there. They're going to have the same type plan. Cause it's going to be, this guy's going to fake an injury or something as well. Yeah. But before before they can open it, Maris is like at the edge of his seat, just sitting there like with a bag of chips, just like eating it up. But then in comes Taylor's boss and he goes, yeah, yeah, I need you to come with me. And he goes, does it have to be right now? Like, could I can I drive over in 20 minutes? And he goes, no, like it's got to be now. And the safe cracker is just looking at Maris like, what do you want me to do? And he basically, without saying it, basically says like, come up with an excuse don't figure it out until i get back here yeah yeah exactly so he's, he's got a stall it's funny we get there and he's got a bunch of shit around the safe probably unnecessary and uh you know he goes and taylor's all in a panic he says you you know I, I, he basically confesses to pete and saying you know i'm with a married woman and her car is currently in my vehicle and i you know I need you to get it out somehow. And he's just like, you want me to go into your vehicle and get something, which is conveniently just what he needs to do at this point in time. Right. So before he he knows that the phone's in the dash, doesn't go there first. The cops at the gate doesn't really pay attention. He goes in the trunk, gets the ID, finds it, puts it in his pocket. Then he gets the phone, goes back in. So somehow Taylor gets away with this. And I guess it kind of tells you that this Bridgeport police are not very good at tight unit. Yeah, tight unit. And they protect their own because he's so he should be off the force and be given a you know at least an assault charge. Yeah, yeah, very very small townish of uh, something like this to get kind of swept under the rug. Um, But we also know, yeah, like we know, whoever Taylor's mistress is married 
to has quite the connection with the town itself and also of course the police the police force because that's kind of why Pete was brought in to do this. It wasn't just for just because it has to be Pete because everyone else knows um, basically everyone else knows this girl and Taylor just can't have anybody going into his vehicle. Yeah, and he was very scared too. He kind of said like they're gonna oh, yeah. they're gonna fucking kill me. So he wasn't you know he's was quite concerned. Through all this, Pete gets back. It's been over an hour. Safe cracker's still there, and Grandpa's like, "We can't figure it out." You know, he's still he's still sitting there and then like talking the whole time. And he goes, "Oh, I think that's lever. I didn't pull it. Maybe it'll work." And somehow he goes, "Oh, we did it." You know, Grandpa's none the wiser. Just like great. So finally opens. Moment of truth. Mary is sitting there, big eyes staring at the safe, empty. Yeah, yeah. The grandfather goes, you know, he, the grandfather basically goes, pulls it open. That meanwhile, the, the safe cracker is like about to pull a fake seizure, and then Mary's yeah. like, oh no, don't don't do that. And yeah, all, all the cash is gone, and they're both kind of just sitting there dumbfounded, like, what the hell happened? And uh, you know, part of me thinks that the grandfather wanted in the safe because he has his own suspicions uh, about what's going on with uh, Audrey, the grandmother. What do you think? Absolutely. And I think he was also pissed off that the combination was changed clearly because he could, I don't think yeah. he could, couldn't get into it just because of strength. I think that was definitely part of it, but she changed the combination because um, I think this pissed him off too. So he goes, well, what, what's in there or lack thereof. We just learned that I can't even get into a safe that basically half of that is his. I mean, they're married. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, you get divorced, it's half goes to each. And, uh, well, maybe he'd lose half. He should go to the women. Uh, but, um, he, anyway, he, you know, I think he's a little pissed because he's basically everybody sees him as a nuisance. You know, he's, he always had a heart attack and he's not what he used to be and he can't work and no, nobody wants to be seen as a liability or, you know, not what they used to be. And he's very much bottom end of the totem pole of this family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, he's come, he's really, his role so far has been babysitter, babysitter yeah. Julia's kids, look after them and, you know, basically don't get yourself wound up. You get the poor guy can't even get, uh, can't get laid because he might get the, the heart rate too, too pumped up according to his wife. Yeah. Um, and on a side note that's going on with the family as well, you know, there's kind of this aura around what happened to the family. You know, why did Pete's mom leave? And I feel like this is going to come to play later into the show. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, earlier, Carly kind of grills Pete, saying, you know, why, why weren't you around? You know, what happened? What did your mom tell you? And Pete just basically, because he doesn't know, just goes, I, you know, my mom didn't tell me anything, not whatever. We later find out that uh, Pete's mom and, you know, Julia, Julia, Carly's mom, they sent letters to each other kind of after they left. And we find out that, you know, Pete's mom was telling what did, did tell him what was going on. So kind of catches uh, Marius in a lie that he didn't even know about, but I think that's going to come into play in the next few episodes, but there's clearly a, a, some traumatic family history that we, we don't quite know just yet. Right. And Carly is super intuitive and she's super curious. So, you know, she's going to use this against him after he just pulled one over on her. And I think, yeah, 
I wouldn't say she's suspicious of him, but she's kind of pissed off because he's, you know, he's just back in the family. He's pulling over on her and she likes to figure things out and she's, she's smart too. So yeah, I think that I totally agree. I think that's going to play a big role down the line here as the episodes go on and maybe even potentially uh, Pete's mother makes a reappearance, mm-hmm. of, you know, to the, to the family, who knows, that's just a, an early prediction, but the back half of this episode and really the, the last 10 to 12 minutes, it's all focused on Vince and Eddie in particular. Uh, but we didn't know a whole lot about Vince before, you know, we know he's got money. We know he's got obviously people on his payroll. We can assume he's not a very good person. He killed uh, the con man that was with, um, with Marius yeah, we also we also know. Sorry to bump in there. That we also know that he runs and he basically runs an illegal uh, po- poker operation. Yes, and that's like kind of his revenue money. And he gets high stake rollers kind of coming in and out. Uh, we see one in the beginning of this episode, but it seems like he's always got uh, his hands into somebody else's pockets. So that's that's just kind of his revenue scheme. But yeah, on top of that, he's also a, a dirtbag. From, from what we can tell. Yeah, and it's funny because obviously the, the woman that was working for Marius, who he now you can assume is sleeping with, uh, or at least I, I, you'd be, I'd be surprised if they haven't at this point. Mm-hmm. The men at the poker games uh, like her quite a bit. And it's funny to kind of see him interact with these clients because I think, I'm not sure if they know that, that she's with him but he he kind of lets her flirt with them, but he doesn't let it go farther than that. Yeah, exactly. So Eddie gets there. He's still beat up. His nose is wrecked and his shoulders all beat up. And he goes, yeah, well, I heard you tried to escape. And he goes, oh, yeah, but I came back. Like, yeah, but he goes, yeah, but we know because of Richard's neighbor that you made a phone call. You called Marius, like you know his number, you know where he is. He goes, No, I don't. Like, and he goes, Okay, well, let me tell you a story. And he kind of lets us know that he he was a cop at one point. He used to be a police officer. And there was this troubled kid who was always breaking the law. And Vince just he fell for him and they give him breaks. Him and his partner would give him break after break after break. And they just and at one point he kept breaking the law and they had the opportunity to send this kid a message. They had him pinned to the ground. His partner, Larry had him pinned to the ground and he said, Vince jump on his elbow. And you can imagine the pain this would cause. Cause they kind of say you jump on a person's elbow, their arm will never be the same. It, shoulder, like you that. Lose the arm, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You could lose the arm. It'll never be the same. And it's very gruesome. It would change his life forever, but Vince was never going to do it. He never really considered it, but they're hoping, I think in his brain, Shay, correct me if I'm wrong. He was thinking this thought will put some fear into this kid so that he stops breaking the law and gets on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they let him go, but down the line, this is probably seven, eight years later and Larry picks him up. And they learn that a cop has been killed. 
And obviously this is when a cop is killed, the brothers and, and the boys in blue take this personally. It, it's a difficult day, but they drive. They go to the Bronx and they go in the outskirts and Vince is like, well, where the hell are we going? And they pull up and all these cops are there and they're near a pit. And it looks like it's basically a grave that's been dug and the cops are surrounding a man. A guy's kneeling, beaten to a pulp. You could hardly even recognize what this guy used to look like. But Vince gets there and he realizes it's the kid that he let go seven, eight years earlier. The man that he didn't hurt, that he let get away with the crime, he killed the police officer. And Larry says, you broke it, you bought it. Meaning, you caused this, you put it to bed, you end the problem. And throughout all this, Eddie is basically sobbing uncontrollably, because I think in his brain, he's thinking, I'm, I'm about to be killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they make it seem they have those, you know, in, in some movies, they lay out those mats and they tape it down so that no mm -hmm. blood gets on the floor. They've got one of those out. Everyone kind of look looking concerned. Uh, for, I forget her name. The, Vince's woman is there. She's she's basically sobbing herself. She's got a look of concern. And, you know, I, I think what's important is like, OK, Vince had to put this kid down and bury the gun with him. And, you know, next thing you know, they're taking off Eddie's shoe and he gives it, he gives the uh, pliers, if you want to call them to Richard, it says, you know, you, you broke it, you buy it. Yeah. And it's at this time he makes one phone call to, uh, to brother Marius. And Marius is completely panicked because he doesn't have any of the money yet. He's at a dead end and he goes, I'm close. Like he tells Vince, I'm close. I'll, I'll be there with the money soon. And he goes like, no, Marius, I don't trust you. You need some motivation to get this money, basically. And like you said, Richard, who's a strong black man, did not want to do this. He no. really struggled with it. He, Eddie's a hard guy not to like because he's just, he's stupid and he's, but he's like, he, he means no harm in a sense because he is, He's not Marius. He doesn't have the, he's not clever. He's not a great con because you would see through it. You'd see through the lie. But, you know, I think Richard probably thought he came back. You know, he didn't, he could have left. He came back. But through all of this, Marius pleading with Vince, don't do this. Like, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. But Richard takes the pliers and rips off one of Eddie's toes. Yeah. Yeah, and on top of this, Marius is listening the whole time, so it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like an insult injury. Yeah, and and what's what's worse, Juggy, is Marius probably thought he had a week to get this done, and his week is not even up. So they, they're really taking this. Right, yeah, yeah, days. yeah. He, he's 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 taking this prematurely, and you know, I think it's a message to you know all three. If you think about it, it's a message to Marius, Eddie. And Richard, and Richard, Richard yeah. yeah, you you let you almost let him escape twice. Don't let this happen again, or this might be you. Right, Eddie, don't escape, or you're you know you lose something else. And then Marius, you know, get my effing money. So Vince really making a a, a bold a brass statement uh, by uh, by removing you know a, a poor pinky toe. 
Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine what that was like for poor Eddie, but that's really how the episode ends. We don't know. Uh, obviously Marius has been given the, has got the message loud and clear now. Um, if you don't get the money, this is what's going to happen. This is what the repercussions to your actions. And he has no money at this point. He has no idea where they keep the, any of the, the items that they keep for uh, collateral, if there is any money. So he's at a complete dead end. And there's still a lot of questions with, with grandma and grandpa, what happens there? Uh, obviously, Taylor's got a, a, a bit of a history that I think we're still going to learn more about. You mentioned Carly uh, having the news about, uh, you know, Marius and, I mean, Pete knowing why they left, which he denied. So a lot to, to figure out here over the, over the next couple episodes. But um, I think, I think it, it, the show's been really good so far as I'm looking forward to, to next week's episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a little bit of everything. It's also got a little bit of humor in, in mm -hmm. the way it's plotted out. The characters itself, I thought, um, you know, some of them, especially Taylor, you know, it's just kind of this big dumb idiot, like like we mentioned. Um, but you know, obviously, he's got he's got levels. He's like an onion. If we were quoting Shrek, you know, he's got us. We found out he's got a bad temper in the last episode. We found yeah. out, uh, you know, he he's not afraid to get down and dirty and you know, so, so many great things to get into. And like you said, there's so many storylines, which, which I just find so interesting. Like, like I, everything, like you just mentioned, like digging up the past into their family history. Uh, how is Marius going to save his brother? And more importantly, like what's going to happen with this business that seems to be going down the drain and, you know, mm -hmm. no one really knows why, except for Audrey. Right. And she, yeah, she holds a lot of the secrets of this show. So interesting. Yeah, she has a lot of cards, I feel like, and she's she's yet to play them. So I think she's a key factor moving forward. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, we'll get back into episodes five and six next week. Um, anything you've been watching lately, Shay, other than obviously Sneaky Pete that's uh, caught your eye? Any movies, shows that you've watched lately? Well, funny enough, over the over the weekend, you know, caught in the storm, uh, I actually put on a movie and our very own, you know, Giamatti Ribsy was in it. And that's uh, Saving Private Ryan. I never watched it full front to back. And I know I, I always just watched bits bits here and there. And wow. I said, you know, I'll watch, I've never watched it to and from. And I said, hey, I'll sit down for three hours and watch a great war flick so yeah that was uh that was my weekend but no great, great movie he, he i hope that was was that pretty good movie oh yeah i mean it's, it's tom to tom hanks special so it's not uh you know he's gonna put it out there and it's, his last couple movies are a little questionable but that, that's all good but no other than that i i did have a question for you i was watching tv last night and uh a, a new movie popped up and i wanted to know if this is a yay or nay just off based off the trailer okay. uh peter dinklage i know for dinklage is you know he's, he's kind of your boy throughout the the go uh, game of thrones flick, um series and uh he's starring in his own little flick with jennifer lawrence and what seems to be kind of like a I don't even know how to, it's like a four musketeers type movie where he's kind of the main character and he's trying to you know get you know it's based off that time period medieval times and anyways it's it's it looks interesting but it also kind of got spots written all over it so you know a guy like that who you like would that be worth even looking into for you or would you take one look at that and be like ah oh, this could be i have to i'll have to watch the trailer which i will tonight uh and i'll have to read up on some reviews like i 
Yeah, I love Dinklage, and I think Jennifer Lawrence is a really good actress as well. Uh, but uh, the plot sounds weird. I will admit. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, maybe I wasn't paying full attention to it, but uh, it'd be something to look into. Are you? I don't think it's out yet, but when I do think it hits theaters, it'd be interesting to see if it's a flop or a flop or a bust. Yeah. What about you? What, what I know. Uh, Lots of uh, lots of NFL Sunday, but anything else you've been getting into show wise? I uh, I watched um, the latest, and it's probably a decade old now, but I hadn't seen it. I watched Jason Bourne, the newest one. Oh yeah. Um, I had never seen it. Um, and it's pretty good. I was okay. Uh, it was a it was a Bourne flick. Like you know, you're mm. you're not in it to win an Academy Award. Uh, you know, but no. it, it it kills a couple hours, and it's see some people fight and things like that. So it was, it was okay. And I watched uh, that uh, Sean Payton home team movie as well. Home team movie. Yeah, I don't, uh, Kevin, uh, I don't James, think I Kevin James is Sean Payton when he was, uh, he was suspended for a year because, because uh, of bounty gate um, when he, oh. the defensive coordinator for the saints basically gave players extra money to try to go out and hurt players. One of them being Brett Favre. Sean Payton. Was it good? It's a it's a happy Madison. That's what I'd say. Like it's a it's oh, a, it's kind of like a funny flick. All right. Yeah, but it's not really that funny. Uh so it's it is okay. It killed an hour and a half. It's kind of like SML. It's just going, you know, humor's just gone down the drain. Yes, yes, very much so. Uh yeah, unfortunately for SNL. I uh it's bad when Peyton Manning's skits are considered the funniest of the night. Uh, so that that's oh. that's, where, that's where SNL is gone when it comes to their uh, their funny meter. But I know this is a busy time of year for you, so you uh, locked in on the computer the rest of the week. Yes, yeah, it'll be a busy time right till this weekend. But uh, you know, we get got another storm coming, which consistent. I'll give them that uh, every storm every weekend. So. I'm sure I'll be doing something else, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe get outdoors, do a little, uh, do a little snowshoeing or something like that. What about you? What do you got planned for the rest of the week? Yeah. So, um, work and obviously podcasting, uh, this, uh, hockey next two nights and then gets a little thin on the sports front, uh, basketball. You're, you're, telling me you're not going you're, you're to watch these all-star games. No, I'll not watch one second of it. Uh, so that's, this weekend, uh, there's a UFC card. I'm going to watch that and watch some basketball. But in the meantime, I'm going to be binging Ozark uh, and can't wait to get into that. Uh, I was like, that's seven episodes. So um, I. Are you, are you one of those guys, if you, you really like something, you'll save it and kind of watch it all together? I, I, I do that once in a while too. That's, that's kind of what I, I don't. I almost turned it on one night, but then I was like, ah, I'd rather watch three or four then watch yeah. you know one or one or one yeah or like when i started i'll watch four for sure like okay. i'll just yeah. go through four quick uh and then save three for the next day but yeah okay. i uh i knew this was the all-star weekend and i said when i came out i'm like i want to watch it this day but i said no i'm gonna wait so when there's nothing on i have a great show to dive into so interested to see what what's up with Darlene and uh, all the cast of characters there on Ozark because uh, I, I think it's a phenomenal show and I'm looking forward to what they what they've come up with for the fourth and final season. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also noted, are you uh, you happy the gyms are back open? My God, am I. Um, you know, it was getting really pathetic walking around the dollar store at 5 a.m. Uh, I'll tell you that. It was not. <laughs> you uh, would do that? You'd walk around? You'd just scoop the did. store over and over? I did every day last week. Like, I commend you, brother. You're, you yeah. got more dedication than probably most people I know. Yeah, I had to do something. I was up and I, uh, had, to, I had to get some exercise and I had to get my steps, but no, it's good. The old treadmill missed me and, uh, just working to, to keep it going, man. Hopefully they keep them open now and smooth sailing positive 2022. Now it's February, January sucked. We're onward and upward now, but, yep. uh, great show tonight, man. Always, always good to talk to you. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back at it a week from today. Chat to you soon. Everybody have a great night. Enjoy the sports and we'll be back tomorrow. We'll chat then.